Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. I'm your host, Kyle Pagan, and we've got a great episode for you today. All in the last week, Slay's comments since Friday, excuse me, Slay's comments, Slay's surgery, Hurts questionable because he's sick, Desai goes up to the booth, Patricia to call plays, apparently there's finger finger pointing after a couple of uh, losses by ESPN, then the the Cowboys lose in the the Eagles clinch the playoffs, we're going to react to it all, we're going to talk about it all, let's bring on Kevin Kincaid, and let's bring on Ant San Francisco. What's up? I love that. Look at your 49ers red. Looks nice. It's a Wawa sweatshirt. Looks nice. <laughs> All right. Did you just roll out of bed? Look at that no, bed that you got going on right now. Shut the hell up. It's it's the week before Christmas. All right. <laughs> the fact that we're even working says something about us. Um, guys, fellas. Yeah. Crazy 72 hours, roughly 96, I guess. I mean, 84, if you really want to call it. Insane. I mean, everything from Darius Slay getting surgery to then we had it. But obviously, Jay Glazer reports that uh, Sean Desai moving up to the booth for Matt Patricia Calm plays. I didn't even mention the Kevin Byard article either. So, Kev, I'll go to you first. When you saw that tipster email we got and we wrote about it on the site and then you saw the, the news break, yeah. did you believe that we actually had a tipster call it from, <laughs> from morning, noon, and tonight the way yeah. it was going down? Yeah, it's true. They did have it. They uh, they emailed me on <clears throat> on Saturday, and uh, yeah, it's like terrible timing. I, I had like both the kids were going to a holiday party. I'm like, oh, I can look into this, you know. Um, I didn't know the person. I didn't recognize the email, and uh, you know, um, but it was detailed. And I'm like, well, this is pretty specific. So I don't, you know, it doesn't seem like something somebody would just make up, you know you know, off the top of their head or whatever. So, you know, I sniffed around a little bit, but like I was looking into it and then the, you know, there's the Jay Glazer or did Rappaport have it for, I think Rappaport beat it, beat Jay Glazer by like two minutes or something. We'll have to go back and check the, go back and check the receipts. But yeah, they had, they had, had, the tipster was accurate, you know, basically uh, Patricia elevated the side to the booth. Um, Right. But he's, but he's still the defensive coordinator. That's like the strangest thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Uh, And, um, what are your thoughts on on the entire thing? Well, I want I, I I think that this happened as a result of the athletics, really story. The one about Kevin Byard, yes, um, apparently going out to Saundersai. I think after after Tuesday's practice, yeah. Said, hey, listen, let let us scout uh, and 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 we'll report back. Total opinion, and this is not informed. No one's told me this or anything. This is just me being around a long time and kind of knowing how teams operate and reading some tea leaves. Okay. My thought process is let's go, let's go back. Uh, Sirianni's interviewed on Tuesday and he's asked about coaching changes. He flat out says it's not going to happen mm-hmm. on Tuesday. Flat out says no. Um, decides at practice all week, everybody sees him out there running the defense, just like he normally would. The story comes out on Saturday. Now, teams a lot of times catch wind of stories in advance of them coming out just because the reporters are, you know, asking around, asking questions, talking about stories that they're, they're going to, you know, that they're going to work on. And it kind of comes out that, oh, the, Kevin Byard asked Sean Desai if the defensive backs could get involved and do the scouting report for the Seahawks, which let me say up front. It's something the players should do. 
yeah players players should take that initiative and be involved in in the study of who they're going to play on, on there's nothing like a collaborative effort it's great it's actually a really good thing and so there should be kudos here for both Bayard to suggest that they do it since they weren't doing it already and then secondarily to decide to say yeah great love you guys getting involved in, in doing this kind of work in advance but the way it was kind of spun on Saturday was that this was something like, oh, my God, they don't trust the, the defensive coordinator. He's terrible. And so they got to take ownership of it because he's not going to fix it. And so I think that knowing how that story was going to then play out, all of a sudden we get the report Sunday morning. So, so we know from our tipster that this you got the email on Saturday, right, Kev? Yeah, it was like late morning. Okay, so we we know that you know. Okay, so something immediately happens over there at Novacare on Saturday. Okay, knowing that this story is coming, or maybe the story had just broke. Okay, and then you get all the information. Now, let's be honest. When when we get reports from tipsters who we don't know who they are, or it's anonymous or whatever, time, yeah, you, you got to do some work, right? I mean, you got to like you, it takes some time. Like you can't just throw that out there right away. Well, right, we had. And you can continue your thought, but real quick, when we had the Eagles mystery source pop up for the first time, I didn't use their stuff because I didn't know, you know, what the hell this was or who this person was. And then when they had like the first two things, right, it was like, oh, this guy's legit, you know, so or he or she is legit. Excuse me. So like, um, you know, then, you know, all right, this this name comes in your inbox or hits your cell phone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'll I'll be honest. I mean, you know, I have a few people like that at the Flyers. who send me stuff that I don't know exactly who they are, but they're anonymous people and they're pretty spot on. But I will say that they're, you know, they're about 95%. And sometimes they send you something and, you know, okay, it's right, but there's something a little bit off about it or something that's not quite right. And you got to look into it a little bit. For, so it takes a little bit of time. So the fact that you're, you know, so you're apologizing off the top for not putting it out on Saturday. In, in reality, there's reason for it. But the fact well, is, I always feel bad, feel bad about that, too. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, but seriously, and, and let's be honest about it. The fact that it comes out that, that this is all coming quickly on Saturday it comes with the athletic story gets released yeah. on Saturday morning. Right. You get that you get hit with this tipster e- uh, email on saturday after saturday morning late saturday morning 11 27 a.m okay yeah. first thing sunday it gets announced pub, uh through the national media that this, mm-hmm. that this change is happening why wasn't this talked about at the beginning was nick siriani a liar i don't think he is i'm not a big, either no. I, i'm not a huge fan of the guy as as a as a coach but i'm not going to sit here and tell you that i think that he's lying directly to everybody on tuesday so I think this is a late weekend decision by the Eagles, and I think it's a reactionary decision by the Eagles, and it's all kind of tied into the story that kind of breaks with with uh, with the athletic with Bayard. I think that I really do. I piece those things together, and I think that that's that's what's happening here. And I, I don't think it's good. Let me say real quick. Um, I don't. I'm trying to read this so I don't reveal anything here. But the t- I only shared like two sentences from the tipster email. I think the sentences I shared were quote. Apparently, the Eagles are trying to force his resignation, having Matt Patricia call the defense. 
the Eagles don't want to fire him so they can save face and not have to pay the rest of his four-year deal. I don't know. That's something I was trying to confirm off the back, and I don't know if he has that deal confirmed or if it's guaranteed. Or um, and then the other one was he is not even sitting in on team meetings this week and will be coaching from the yeah. booth on Monday night. So, But the person told me in, in, a, in sentence number two here that they had been – they had been collecting this quote this information throughout the week so um there may have been kind of a trickle of of you know like a thought of like okay hey maybe there's like an you know and yeah change that we need so, to make here and then maybe it just yeah maybe it just so crested well, crested on Saturday. yeah and and i think that that's fair kevin i think that what you're looking at here is a situation where and i was talking about this with kyle before we came on the air um it's probably something that they were talking about for some time that, okay, mm-hmm. this was a mistake. This was not a great hire for us. We have to figure a way out of this hire, but I don't think that the plan was let's make a change on Friday of week 15 no, after no. losing two games in a row. And we're 10 and three. Like, I don't think that's the plan. It was yeah. probably let's start putting this in place for the off season. Yes. Yeah. Because right? the Eagles are not. I mean, look. Can we just pause and take a step back for a minute and just talk about how unprecedented this is to begin with? Yes. I mean, demoting your defense, the defensive coordinator, a ten and three team who, while the defense has been terrible the last couple of weeks, they're pretty good earlier in the year. Like a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about they were making comparisons from Sean Desai to Jonathan Gannon because he shut down Patrick Mahomes. He shut down the Dolphins defense. Like we were talking about this guy as being like, holy shit, this guy is amazing. He's so much better than Jonathan Gannon, all this stuff. And now he's going to be up in the booth with, I don't, I don't, is he getting coffee? Like, I don't know what he's doing up there. Like, uh, you know, just looking at the uh, looking at the iPad, you know, doing all twenty two observations, yeah. relaying Making, them. Uh, even have plays. a check mark for good play, X for bad play. Like that. Does might he have be a headset? Is he talking to anybody? Yeah, I mean that's crazy. So just the fact that it, it sounds like something out of like a WIP like you know morning show poll or something. Should they fire Sean Desai at ten and three? You know, we all laugh at it, and well, they are essentially doing that. So to me, it suggests that it goes a lot deeper than any right. kind of whatever. Because the the Eagles aren't. Yeah, you're right. You're right. The Eagles don't do like this kind of sloppy in season. Like they keep it buttoned up pretty much. Everybody knows this is a Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie thing. I mean, we can all go back to Doug Peterson wanting to bring in his own assistants and how that kind of brought that that tenure to an end. But I, it's crazy. Yeah, it's like something that we talk about on on Twitter. You know, like, well, they should fire this this guy. And I'm like, they're not, never going to fire a dude who's who's a defensive coordinator, a ten and three coach. Well, I mean, this is. This is that in more more or less, you know, right? And, and that's why I think it was it was expedited over the over the weekend. I don't th- I think it was something that they're considering for you know we're going to need to make this change. Probably wasn't the best hire, but that I think that what what's the what lights the fuse to say we're doing we're making this announcement the day before the Monday Night Football game in Seattle? Yeah. How uh something lights that fuse, right? Well then Slay getting his mysterious knee surgery yeah. too before yeah. Matt Patricia happens to be uh, yeah. How warm is the Sirianni seat? Because I'm just like I'm thinking about it. Like Howie Roseman doesn't doesn't care. I don't think Howie Roseman cares about who is the coach. I think he's he's so cocky that he knows he can build a team and build a team in the right way that they can win almost with anybody. Like if he, I'm, I'm serious when I think, I think he, he, that's how he kind of thinks. I I don't think that you're looking at a situation where Nick Sirianni is on the brink of being fired from his job, but I do think that it's, it's probably a little bit warmer than you would think a guy who went to the Super Bowl a season ago and his 10 and three 
the following season should be um, in the sense that I don't think he's got as long a rope as a, as a coach that in that would normally be in that situation would have. Yeah. And, and by that, I think you're looking at maybe, you know, Hey, you better be good right off the bat next season kind of thing. Um, so, no, I, I think that there's, it's a little bit warm, but not to the point where it's like, if they don't win something this year, he's being axed. I do think that there's a, there's something to worry about though, when it's a little bit of the uh, inmates running the asylum kind of stuff that's going on in in the in the building talking about the finger point pointing reports got, from McManus. yeah you got some of that you got some of you got the players now you know the, the the way it was interpreted on the buyer story you got the whole situation with big dom which you know we joke about and we laugh about and it's funny to talk about it but it, but the reality is is that a more streamlined process of your of how things are done on your sideline probably prevents that from ever even being a story I was just going to say, um, you know, in the in the initial aftermath of the news, you know, there's this knee jerk, you know, need to bring up Vic Fangio and oh my God, I saw Jonathan, Jonathan, Jonathan Gannon. And, you know, yeah. the thinking sort of being along the lines of, well, you know, we could have had Fangio. And, uh, you know, then they go back to, you know, Jonathan Gannon and the Cardinals pursuit. And they're the they, the way that the logic goes is like the Eagles only ended up with the Eagles wanted Vic Fangio. And the only reason they ended up with Sean Desai in the first place is because Gannon fucked up the whole process and all that. And it's okay that 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 um path does make sense when you lay it out like that. But you are people. How many of those people saying that were Jonathan Gannon fans? With Jonathan Gannon supporters, because you're asking for Vic Fangio, who, when you look at what the Dolphins are doing this year, is almost exactly the same as what the Eagles were doing last year. So you're talking about very low blitz rate, but high in sacks, getting home with four men, high high pressure rate, a lot of turnovers. Um, essentially, the you know working off that same kind of two safety shell base. And so I just I don't <laughs> I don't understand the people calling for. Fangio, who were not Gannon fans last year, because you would just be complaining about the same. You can say that Sean, the Eagles ended up with Sean Desai. Maybe he wasn't their first choice because of the way that the Gannon Arizona thing played out for sure. But it's not compatible if you're an anti-Gannon person and you're calling for Fangio now, because they're essentially kind of cut from the, the same cloth. I mean, Gannon has Mike Zimmer principles in his defense, but they function in a Similarly to the way that Fangio runs everything, so I don't, I don't understand, I don't follow what they're they're trying to say with that. One hundred percent. And the funny thing is, it's like people are like, they scrambled, they scrambled, they scrambled to get Sean Desai, and it's just so funny how people like we were talking about, like this dude was a world beater when he was beating up on the Dolphins defense, and Patrick Mahomes didn't score in the second half, but now he's just labeled a joker because now he's not calling the plays anymore. He's been demoted and everything. It's just, it's so funny how that happens. And then we talk about, you know, they, 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 um. Went too quickly and hired Sean Desai. They they interviewed like seven guys. It took like two weeks to hire somebody. Like people were making jokes that like Sirianni was taking too long to hire someone. Well, and yeah, they had Denard Wilson in the building, who's now on the Ravens and might be getting the DC job next year. And that's fine. And you we we can relitigate that all you want. But the reality of it was is this: go back to your your crossing broadcasts from last February, and talk about this. You know. I'm certain you guys would have said this and just memory kind of serves just everybody talking about this, but you're a team that's you've just lost the Super Bowl and you want to get back to it the next season. Mm-hmm. And you turned over both offensive coordinator positions to people who've never done it before. 
And not to say that they can't do the job, but the fact is, is that there's going to be a learning curve. And you kind of anticipated a little bit of that this season. Now, to the Eagles' credit, they got off to a great start. And now this is the first bit of adversity that they're facing in, in consecutive weeks. And all of a sudden, it's panic at the disco, man. But the reality of it is, is that we kind of knew back in February that this was a potential you know, uh, trip, you know, tripping hazard. It just took a little bit longer for it to, for them to trip than it maybe we thought it would have been right. We thought it would have been a little bit slower start and then kind of pick up steam. And it just so happened that they got off to a great start and now they, they had the fall down moment and you got to wait and see, can they rebound from it? And that's, that's perfect to set me up here with like, I don't think, I think Patricia's in a no win situation. This defense stinks. Not. Yeah, he's in a no-win defense. Is stinks. I mean, if 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 the if the front four can't get home, this defense is on an island at linebacker, and now Slay being out for potentially the rest of the season, they have no one to cover anyone. Like tonight, like we could be looking at a historically bad defense against uh, DK Jackson Smith and uh, and Tyler Lockett. Like those are some good wide receivers with with. Uh, uh, the, the quarterback that they're playing. Drew, Drew, Drew Lock, Drew Lock, Lock wasn't, wasn't like, horrible last week, you know? He took I mean, down 329, like, yeah. he got blown out, but he still played relatively right, in, well. In San Fran, yeah, playing on the road against a tough team. Can we say real quick, though, Is that, can anybody here say uh, unequivocally that Sean Desai has been worse than Brian Johnson this year? I was no. shocked that Sean Desai was the first one. I'll be honest with you. I <laughs> I thought that the diff here's the here's my take on it. I think that the Eagles lack the personnel on defense to be really good defensively. So to blame the coordinator is I think a little bit weird. Whereas I think they have the talent on offense and to be disappointing on offense really says more about the coordinator than it does about the players, right? I mean, so you, you've yeah. seen these players perform at a high level, whereas on defense, you basically have no you have no linebackers and your secondary we had question marks coming into the season let alone the fact that slay and bradbury were getting older i mean when brian johnson was 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 on the coaching staff last year and he's jalen's guy right so sean Batai comes in as like an outsider and somebody who we know is not their first choice so it's easier to yeah i mean when you put it when you look at it that way of course you understand why he was first to go of the two of them, but I don't know if he was the worst of the was was worse than the other the other guy. You know, that's that's the the strange thing to me. But when you when you here's the thing, like it seems like when things go bad and changes are made with the Eagles, the thing that always seems to be in common is that like they just lose the um, that connection with Howie and with Jeffrey Lurie is kaput, right? When Chip Kelly was canned, remember what it said in the press release, Anthony? It said, we have released Chip Kelly. Yes. After he had done all his releasing of the players, right? So it was petty and it got to like, it was broken. That bond was severed, you know, and they brought Howie Roseman back from the broom closet, made him general manager again and went on to win a Super Bowl. When Doug was let go, why was it? Was it because they won four games? No, they they weren't expected to be very good that year, but he wanted to bring in his own dudes and he hired guys like elevated guys like Mike grow 
who weren't any good. And so Howie and Jeffrey came in and said, these guys aren't good enough. So we're going to move on from you. And that's essentially what they're saying here. Is it not like, yeah, Sirian- it, it, this isn't Sirianni's decision. Does anybody out there think this is Nick Sirianni's decision? No. And, and, and I think that the thing that, that bothers me the most about the way that they do things is there's no middle ground with the Eagles. Their successes are trumpeted and they will pat themselves on the back better more than almost anybody. Right. But they're trumpeted and, but deservedly. So I'm not mm-hmm. saying that they shouldn't do it, but they will do it. But when the slightest sign of something going wrong, it's automatically the, as far to the negative as possible. And even within the organization, I'm not talking about the fan base. I'm talking about within that organization. As soon as something goes wrong, they automatically have this kind of internal fissure. That's Why is just, that? That's what I don't understand. And I think it has to go that to me, it has to go more towards the owner and the GM. I think it's more Lori and Roseman. That's just how they are and how they operate. When Lurie is said, let, let's be honest here too, because Howie Roseman survived his banishment to the storage closet and came yeah. out of it and won a Super Bowl. I mean, he is he's 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 untouchable. Howie Roseman's not going anywhere anytime soon, right? I'm not if saying, he I'm was saying he should. Yeah, no, no, I'm just talking in general, right? Yeah, so what yeah. you know, because it's always like you gotta fire somebody, or you know, there's always a thought of like somebody's gotta go. Who's it gonna be? It's not gonna be Howie. You know, it's not going to be Howie for the foreseeable future as long as Jeffrey right. Lurie. I don't. Maybe Julian Lurie takes over seven years from now, and then Howie Roseman finally leaves or something. But I don't see that happening now. So who gets it? Okay, so they they come in above the head coach and they say you're gonna we're gonna demote Sean Desai and he's gonna go up to the booth. And- it's so funny because this is in a lot of in a lot of ways this is a lot this is what people complained about for the Flyers for so many years. The difference is, is the Eagles won a Super Bowl in 2017. Otherwise, if they don't win that Super Bowl, you're in this basically the same boat, which is the yeah. same people keep running things and they keep making changes below them. But really, maybe you got to look and say, is the issue when there's a problem higher up than it is where the where they keep making the changes at? It was the same problem that the Flyers ran into. Because we can talk about, you know, Howie Lurie, Howie Lurie, Howie Lurie, Howie Roseman. You might as well just call him that because they are, <laughs> they are two peas of God. Yeah. That's Howie Lurie. Freudian. Yeah, that's why it's a Freudian <laughs> slip because you're thinking it. Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie, um, for, for you know, does anybody disagree now looking back in hindsight that moving on from Doug because he wanted to elevate Press Taylor and bringing in Nick Sirianni, look where it got him. It got him to the Super Bowl and 10 and three this year. So we can say what we want to say about them coming in and having their fingerprints all over it, over it. But for the most part, they get it right. Chip had Chip won 10 games the first two years. They uh, reluctantly let him do what he wanted to do. Then they said, all right, this shit ain't working. We're going to reclaim our team. And then they got to the Super Bowl two years later and won the Super Bowl. So, you know, I think the two different thoughts here are should Jeffrey Lurie and Howie are Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman too involved? perhaps but every time they have been involved it's kind of steered them steered them back on course and pushed them in the in the correct well, i mean you say that you say that every time but it, it happened once let's be honest because it, it was happened andy, twice. It, well no because andy andy had control well it was a little different too because how you know how he came in on the tail end of you know because the whole joe banner thing right. and how, how he wasn't how he was not the figure that he was back then so the Correct. so the andy reed era which can just be categorized as its own unique whatever thing right right they come out of that the chip kelly thing right they gave the, the first they, two years they gave chip the keys to the city 
Yeah. And then realized that was a mistake and they took it back. You're talking about the keys to the city thing has only happened. Yes, you're correct. But but that influenced their decision to move on from Doug because they said, we're not going to let Chip Kelly 2.0 happen again. Because the last time we had a coach come in and take over all the decision-making and whatever, he traded Shady McCoy for Kiko Alonso and he got rid of Deshaun Jackson and all these guys. So they saw that you're right, that that shit only happened once and that's influenced their decision to not, to, to not let it happen again. Correct. And maybe, maybe over, influenced it in other words like maybe they were they they overreact too quickly that's 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 kind of i think where we're what i'm trying to say because i think the flyers were that way too and that's why i make that comparison think of how many times they would fire a coach or they would trade a player or bring a player back or whatever they like it was always it was always reactionary oh they had a bad playoff with the goaltender go get go sign brisgalov right it was was always this that kind of stuff all the time and i think that the eagles have that they're a reactionary team, mm-hmm. the way that it's run, the way that they run everything. And I don't think that that's always the best course of action for anybody um, when things are going bad. I think you need to kind of take a step back and breathe for a minute and figure it out. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And then you re- you reset for the next season. But you got to try and in- not be so reactionary in the moment. Are you surprised? And I and I don't know how many people you have on the uh, that are friendly with you or colleagues on the uh, on the Eagles beat. But are you are you surprised that a lot of the local guys haven't had these stories lately with like the Slay stuff or uh, this Desai stuff and everything? I mean, even like the new guy Brooks Cabina, he was the one who wrote the buyer story, and he's yeah. been on the beat since October. So. Yeah. Am I he didn't really break. He didn't break anything. I mean, that was just that was a pretty good locker room story that. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, really stum- maybe it stumbled into something more that nobody yeah. was aware of. Um, am I surprised? I'm not surprised at all. Um, am I disappointed? Yes, because I remain disappointed in local media. Um, I just think that it's, I, you know, I think the Eagles are, are, are among a group of teams just in general in sports who have done from their, from their perspective, done a good job of controlling the narratives of their team. I will say something. I will say something too, real quick before you even get started on that. And people need to understand too, that not everybody is trying to get scoops and information. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you, you have to understand, you have to go into it with the caveat of like, some guys just watch the games and write about the games and do the thing. And they're not even working sources or anything like that. So it's not yeah. even a matter of that. So beyond them not getting it, they're not even trying because they don't. Yeah, I, but I think that we've, I think that the culture has changed from, you know, you talk to everybody, you talk to everybody privately, you get information, you figure out what to do with that information and then how to present it publicly to, oh my God, I don't want to be blackballed or, you know, uh, with this with this team, I'm just going to go along with the program. So whatever information they provide, they provide to a small group of people. And you see it with every sport. I see it with every team in this town. Okay, let's be honest. There is a collection of four or five writers for every team in this town that gets everything together, and everybody else is kind of on the outside. Yeah, it's click. It's kind of it's very uh, clicky. clicky. It's, clicky. It's very yeah. what I what I used to call. Um, I remember I remember telling somebody from. Uh, uh, the Philadelphia Daily News back in the day, I used to call it country club journalism because basically what it was, it was just like we would all just hang out together and get all the information together and just not, you know, try and beat each other. Whereas when I first broke into the business, it was like, yeah, these guys are you're, you're your co- friends kind of as yeah. like colleagues. But the goal is you have to beat them. 
Like you, you want their readers. You want their people to come read you. You don't want them to do well. You don't need to be all on the same page. And this whole mentality of we all just share everything. Oh, did you get that interview? Okay, I'll transcribe this part. You transcribe this part, and then we'll just share. Bullshit, man. Yeah, like, not do the really. Job. Yeah, it's not really competitive Ooh. like it used to be. You know, right? Yeah, they that's hit, the need to hit people. They need to hit people again. Make the beats great again. But that's what. But that's why. But that's why journalism, sports journalism, has died a, a slow, painful death in this city. And you only have a couple of people who you sit there and go, "Yeah, they're still doing it the right way." Yeah, yeah they're, but still think doing, of, they're still doing it good. Let me ask you this though: it's it, it's not just an Eagles thing. Like even going outside of other cities like this, in how how many sports, how many cities anywhere do the local beats beat the Rappaports and the Schefters and the Woges and the Darren Draggers and you know whoever whoever else you know it's just yeah. kind of a it's you have your unique like your john clarks who's got his like air airport source you know who you know he'll get exclusive video off of things like that Derek gunn has developed relationships with players to the point where he'll have snippets you know every so often but i don't know if you really go anywhere i mean and you've had a good run with the flyers when i was doing the union stuff i had a couple good years doing that but um I don't think that and I don't think that anybody ever looks at local beats as being the people to ha have that anyway. I think that's because I don't know if that's I don't know if it's ever going to be a thing, you know. But it doesn't have to be a thing. In other words, like I don't look at myself as this, you know, scoop breaking insider for the Flyers, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think of it that way. That's not what I that's not my goal when I go down there or when I talk to the talk to people. My goal is to find out as much information as I can to provide an informed opinion about the team and to provide some information if i happen to get something that is newsworthy yeah then yeah. i will share it but that's i'm not an information trader which the national guys are that's what they, they are they're, they're not journal they're not journal like adam Schefter's right. not a journalist he's an information broker and i wouldn't yes. even call him a trader i would call him oh, a no, did you see, because we've did seen you see a random broker. tweet today he was just analyzing the defense out of nowhere for the Eagles, it was a yeah. weird. I literally was like looking. Yeah, I was looking for something to like maybe that like broke or something. No, he was just like they're not good on third down. They need to get to the quarterback more. And I was like, shout out, Adam. Thanks, man. I know for a fact. I know for a fact, hundred percent, that there are executives in pro sports who talk to these national media guys and will give them information, but only if they are given information about another team back in return. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, what it's, it's all about. Yeah. They're just trading information. And so that's, so, you know, as if you're a team executive, you look at it as, okay, it's worth giving this scoop or story, whatever, to this reporter to get five or six other things about other teams that I can glean and learn and really kind of use to it's my advantage. A quid, it's a quid pro quo. That's all that's it, all is. it I mean, is. Even when I'm doing like radio wars shit, you know, I'll talk yeah. to somebody and be like, Hey, did you hear that? Like, um, so-and-so about somebody right and i'll be like oh great thanks for that you know by the way i've did you hear about you know this or yeah. that or whatever and we share information and it's like you just stay connected yeah. or whatever and and but I, I think what you say about like just doing your job and getting information as part of that not necessarily looking for that is the most underrated part of this because you know anybody who's immersed in whatever beat they're doing will kind of have the pulse of what's going on and they'll have people to talk to and they'll be they'll be kind of some, you know, taking the stuff and putting it off to the side as they gather, you know, and then if you need to come to it or something happens, like, oh, yeah, by the way, you know, maybe I reach out to this person or something. But it's not it's not like it's funny, too, because every time you see somebody like in a practice or a game or like an event or whatever, they can they, they like shell up 
because you just like, well, here comes the media. You know, Kincaid's looking for something for me. And I'm like, no, I just, I'm just asking you how the wife and kids are doing. Really, I'm, right. I'm really not looking for anything. I'm just talking. We're just talking here, you know. But they're always, you know, I think you have that wall up, and people are skeptical, and it's hard to like kind of break through that unless you have those years of just kind of like developing relationships with people and talking to them like a normal person instead of some guy who's just looking, you know, looking for something from them. Can can we retire source confirms from uh, from the beat lexicon after the fact? The can Uh, yeah. When when Schefter or Rappaport do something, and then like one of the beat guys are like source confirms that Jalen Hurts is sick, will be riding on a plane by himself. Like yeah, I can confirm. Schefter's probably been wrong, maybe on one hand, uh, things that he's he's broken and reported and stuff. So like, can we just retweet Schefter? Instead of being like, yes, source confirms, which is the PR team yeah. either putting everybody on an email chain or texting them all at the same time. It's exactly, um, it's exactly what that is. Nine, so, and 95% of the time, that's what it is. I mean, yeah, every once in a while, you're like, hey, did, you know, so-and-so reported this. What's that? You know, and you check with the you check with an actual source and not the PR guy. Yeah. Um, and they give you an answer. And then in that case, I think it's worth saying source confirms. That's fine. Um, or or you know, or sort, you know, maybe a source can kind of tell you it's wrong or something's not 100 right with it so, my, my favorite one real quick though not to out anybody but there was a story that appeared on and on a at an outlet and the team was quoted inside the story and then the person came by and said you know i can confirm this story and i'm sitting there thinking like well no shit that like the team is it's confirmed it's quoted it, they, they quoted they're quoted in the story so i think yeah it's just like this knee-jerk reaction to go like yeah. oh well you know look at my phone here's the text from the pr team i can confirm that you know um so and so the general has gastroenteritis this circles back to what i was just talking about right it's they don't want to piss off the teams that they're covering but yeah. at the same time, they don't want to look bad to say, oh, I'm not doing my job. So yeah. Yeah. you put a report out and then everybody else has to confirm your report. Oh, I can. I, I, I made my phone call. I, I did what I was supposed to do. I'm still good. I'm still in yeah. the circle. Yeah, and yeah. that's what I'm saying. It, it used to be competitive. Yeah. It used to be, hey, if you got it, good for you. If I got it, good for me. And we competed with one another. And I thought that that's when journalism was better. And the beats were better. We should yeah, do a deep that we should do a story for the site on it. You reach out to like 10 people. I'll reach out to like 10 people and we'll get a bunch of people to answer the question. Why don't the local beats ever break any stories? Hmm. I get, I got people asking me that all the time. Like, why don't the local reporters ever break? Well, maybe I'll write a story on it. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I mean, I find I think it's time first. Yeah. Hey, Paisan, you got a couple questions. Uh, you got a couple minutes so I can ask you a co- one or two questions about the Phillies hot stove. Sure. Let's do it. Yamamoto getting FaceTime by Bryce Harper. Do we know when it was? Because like, does this technically considered a second interview? Because there was a report by Todd Zalecki that he narrated a sales pitch video yeah, was, that was used surreal. in the presentation. And yeah. now we're hearing about FaceTimes, but no one can can directly locate when that FaceTime was. Yeah, I don't, I'm not 100% sure when that FaceTime was either. But I, I'll tell you that I don't think it's it's likely I think it's good that the Phillies are a finalist because hey, now they're they're playing in this Japanese market and this East East Asian market, right? That's a good thing. Um, People didn't but, like that story, though, man. You see the responses to that? It's like, uh, oh, well, good. They're 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 on the end. Yeah, 
Well, I, you don't have to like it. I'm just telling you what it is. I mean, you I gotta start a, somewhere, right, Ant? You, you do have to start somewhere. You yeah. do have to start somewhere. Can't just all um, be to Gucci's and, and look, he's, he's, having his, he's having second meetings in person with the Mets and the Yankees. I, I honestly think it, that's where he's gonna, he's going to end up in New York. And whether whether and that's not a surprise. Uh, you know, you're, you're still trying. Keep in mind, there are what 32 teams in the league, and only like five ever get Japanese players. There's a reason for that, and it's not that the it's not that the teams aren't interested. It's because these players get to pick where they want to go, and they want to be on either the West Coast or in New York or Boston. And that's pretty yeah, much it. and it goes both ways too. I remember there was a team in the Premier League, uh, Fulham, that people may or may not know, but they used to be they had this nickname Full America because a lot of American players went over there, and so they just became this reputation. Like they're friendly to American players, you know, Clint. Uh, Clint Dempsey's played over here. Casey yeah. Keller's played over here. So naturally, they're, they go there. They don't know fuck all about England. And they're like, well, Fulham has been good to American players in the past, so I'm going to go there. Same with Japanese players coming over and playing for the Dodgers or you know West Coast teams or whatever. Yeah. We need a consolidated effort of Visit Philly marketing more in Japan, PHL airport, getting more flights directly to Japan or with a nice connector in London maybe. Like we need we for, for the future – the next Shohei and the next Yoshi. Like, we need more advertising over in Japan for the good of the Philadelphia Phillies. As long as the Phillies are, are a good team, they'll be attractive to those to the to the players over there. I mean, sure. the Phillies being good now is is part of it, right? And having Bryce Harper and having Trey Turner and being an, an owner who's willing to throw out that kind of those kind of dollars. That's important to bring a, a player like Yamamoto over here. I, I don't think the Phillies are going to win this one. But that's why I think that the story was so important because it's like you have what it takes now, and and you're scouting over there, you're making relationships over there with with your you know with your, your team going over all the time. Like that's all good. Mm-hmm. In the long run, it's going to be better for the Phillies. It may not work right now as far as getting the player, but down the road they're going to get a Japanese player, and you're going to be happy with it. Where are you on recruiting players with former dead athletes? Did you see that story? No, I did not. <laughs> you didn't see the story? So Shohei, apparently during his meeting with the Dodgers, they brought up a video of Kobe Bryant from like 2017 that oh, apparently I missed this. was like a recruiting. It was like late Friday, uh, Jeff Passan, but it was apparently Kobe was recruiting Shohei the first time around. They never used the video for Shohei. So they trotted it back out a second time? But – and that's a little rough. We're talking about Hollywood, state of the art FX, state of the art CGI. Yeah, but there is some foul play. You don't think Magic Johnson's above a little bit of foul play? You, you want to? You could play that angle all you want, but the fact <laughs> of the matter is, is that we talked about this a year ago. Shohei Otani was going to end up with the Dodgers, no matter what. That's where he wanted to be. It's the place he wanted to play. He did not want to play anywhere else. Did he use other teams to get the the contract up to where it got up to? Sure. You don't ever say no. But at the same time, if all things are equal, and you're going to pick where you want to be. He's already lives out there, right? right? Why move? And, you know, it was brilliant to defer the money so that he can, you know, collect that all when he's not living in California and not have to pay that ridiculous – um, 
wage tax in, yeah, wage in, tax. in, in California. So I mean, it's it, it was it was good for him. So, but well, it was more. never an issue. It, 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 I don't think it, you you could have you could have trotted out you know dead athletes who he had never heard of, and it wouldn't have mattered. He would have still gone there. One more for you. Is this the last we've heard of Reese Hoskins? A lot of rumors to the Cubs, some rumors to the Mariners, rumors to the Twins. I think I saw. I think he'll he'll go somewhere. Um, I mean, there's a lot of teams actually need a Reese Hoskins type player. Um, I I think that he's going to finally settle for a one year deal. I think he has to. I think he was hoping to get a two, um, but I think he's going to have to settle for a one year deal to prove that he's healthy and, and can go again and I, you know the mariners do make sense the cubs make some sense but the cubs are also still trying to bring bellinger back and so they ain't going to sign reese hoskins until bellinger signs well, one year 15 mil for reese hoskins john middleton that's ashtray money to him that's like a couple black and miles where does he fit he fits on he... the bench as a depth piece he's give... he, he doesn't want to be a bench guy he well, wants to how, a, how much does he like player. philadelphia moving sucks yeah i i hear you I hear you, but you're not. You also have to be ready to go into that role, and I think that he still views himself as an everyday player for another few years. Before, could you see a situation where you know, hey, maybe he comes back a few years from now, maybe as a bench guy? But now, no, he still looks at himself for the next three years, three four years as an everyday player, whether it's as a DH or a first baseman. No, right. well, and I appreciate it. we got to get to our uh, interview with Eric Rutan. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the guitarist from uh, Cannibal Corpse. Just a just we we pre-recorded this interview. Uh, just, just to let everybody. I, I just know. have one quick question about that. Yeah. Kev, how many death metal rockers are Philadelphia sports fans? There's got to be like forty. You know, like every one of them. Um, the, 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 yeah, I mean, a lot of the local <laughs> Philly guys do. Yeah, are interested in Philly sports. Um, Eric's from New Jersey, and he did. He'll mention it in the interview that we taped, but he did like a death metal cover of Fly Eagles Fly. Um, and like I, the guys from like Slayer back in the day, you know, there's these pictures of them wearing like Oakland Raid, L.A. Raiders jerseys yeah. and whatnot. A football, football especially, a football and hockey, yeah, always yeah. like resonated with the with the heavy metal community. I don't know how many. T says Steve Mason, former Flyers goalie, is a yeah, metal. Yeah. Was a metal oh, yeah, and um Sean Doolittle used to come like uh the pitcher used to come out to like uh like ride the lightning well, I mean, Metallica. Keep keep in mind Rob Zombie wanted to do a freaking documentary film on the on the flyer make a horror movie about the Flyers. Yeah, yeah, I, I do. Was helping, I was helping him yeah. do like archival research for a point. When well, when I went down to see you and Russ and, and Bundy, I dropped in the other night. They were playing Pantera. On yeah. the speakers, I'm like, you're not going to hear this at the Sixers, you know? So <laughs> exactly, yeah, hockey and and whatever and, and football for sure. But yeah, we had Eric Rutan from uh, Cannibal Corpse and Morbid Angel on the show. We taped with him Thursday. He's a diehard Eagles fan, as you will see uh, coming up here in a minute. But uh, yeah, we spoke with him about um, his love of football and all that stuff, and it was a good interview. So uh, check that out. We're going to play that now, and then Pagan and I are going to come back on the back end, and we're going to talk about. Uh, Richard Mendenhall wanting to put, wanting to put together a all black versus all white Pro Bowl team. So we'll do that after the uh, Eric interview. Thanks, Ant. Thanks you got it, guys. Yep. All right. The last show we had a country music singer from Nashville. We had uh, Vinnie Paolizzi on the show. We're going to go complete to the opposite end of the spectrum today. We're going to go death metal. We've got Eric Rutan from Cannibal Corpse and Hate Eternal joining the show. Big Eagles fan, Eric. What's good, man? Welcome. Kevin, how you doing? Thanks for having me on the show, man. 
Yeah, no problem. Listen, I, I you know, I think I emailed you like um like five or six weeks ago and I was like, Hey man, the Eagles are rolling. Yeah, they're like eight and one, nine and one, whatever. Yeah, we gotta get you on and talk and talk birds, you know. And, we missed uh, out last year. Yeah, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, we no, no, yeah, last was, the timing around the holidays, I think. So it's all good. For, thank you. No, no, for real. I I listen, I um so I hit you back up, right? And I was like, we got to get you on the show, you know. And uh, then the Eagles proceed to get their ass kicked two weeks in a row. So, <laughs> so I don't know if I jinxed it or what, but uh yeah, I mean the floor is yours to say whatever you would like to say about San Francisco and Dallas. Well, certainly I don't want to be a part of any jinx. And man, I got my own set of rules in my household uh how I watch the games and holy, you can imagine things get pretty loud down here. I'm not in Philly. I'm from Jersey. I live in Florida, but uh, yeah, it gets pretty crazy down here. But yeah, I've had a couple of days to process um, losing to the Cowboys, which always um, it, it pains me. Obviously, you know, being an Eagles fan since I was a small kid. Um, after the 49ers game, which was uh, to me, the 49ers game was really the one where I felt like we just we just got beat down and we, we lost in every facet of the game. Um, but the one thing that's been really consistent this year, which is amazing to me is the special teams, you know, man's been punting the good pretty well. And, um, you know, we've been, uh, pretty good on, on everything related to like with Covey doing pretty good with his average stuff. So special teams been real consistent, the offense and defense, um, you know, as, as kind of been all over the map, but, yeah. You know, the Dallas game, three turnovers, you know, like that was terrible. That to me, I felt like we were, we were, you know, we were driving better on offense. Um, it just, you know, obviously hurts, you know, he's, he's had way more turnovers, interceptions and fumbles than normal, but I always, you know, I got a lot of faith in hurts to bounce back. Um, and, you know, Brown and Smith, you know, fumbling and making some kind of crucial drops is very uncharacteristic characteristic of, of, to me, you know, arguably the best tandem, if not one of the top three, obviously in the NFL in receiving. Um, so there's a lot of anomalies there last week. I thought overall though, a couple of days removed, you know, I'm feeling a little bit more maybe uh, optimistic than if you asked me two days ago after two back-to-back weekend yeah. butt whoopings. Yeah, I think we what, stepped uh, back off the cliff a little bit, you know, after the first the first knee knee jerk uh, reactions, you know. But it was funny because I was I was listening to another podcast you were doing, and you were talking about mm-hmm. this like yoga and meditation routine that you do, like yeah. pretty intense yoga. And what does does that um, pay dividends when you're watching the Eagles? Like, can you control your blood pressure when you're watching it, or do you want to? Are you like biting your nails like the rest of us? Oh man, I lose it. I absolutely lose it. I lost <laughs> it last week. I was, I was probably, man, I felt like I was screaming the whole game. I like, like, you know, and the 49ers game, man, boy, that one, that one smarted a little bit, you know, Debo talking a little bit. And there's a lot of, you know, I try to keep my smack talk internally myself because I've learned, you know, from other people, friends of mine. Um, that are Cowboys fans and whatnot. They talk a lot of smack and karma tends to bite them in the, in the, you know what? So, you know, I usually tend to keep pretty balanced, you know, onto the next game coach speak almost in a sense, how I handle it, but don't give them bulletin board material. Don't give them bulletin board. He believes in bulletin board material. We've been told by other athletes that bulletin board material is not real. 
And I okay, interesting. I think it okay. is okay. Yeah, I'd be curious. That's, that's I kind of agree with you that bulletin board material is absolutely, in my opinion, what do I know? I'm not a foot. I'm not a not on. I'm not a professional football player, but I do believe that. Of course, that stuff's utilized in the in those locker rooms. Correct. Is is there bulletin board material in the death metal industry? Oh, <laughs> I mean, Metallica talking shit or something like that, or uh, uh, what? name me name me a metal band, Kev. Uh, no, well, there's there's one band that plays black metal. They're very good at it. People think they're hipsters. I kind of like them. I'm talking about Death Heaven, Eric. Like I'm trying to come on up for a yeah. stretch here. Like people say stuff, but it's not like it's not. I don't know. It's not like it's really not like sports. I guess. You know? No, it's it's there's no bullets and bore material in music, in my opinion. You know, it's like, I mean, honestly, there's a there's a lot of there's a correlation to to football in a lot of ways and sports in general. And I use um, analogies to football all the time whether it's like me producing albums in the studio or, uh, you know, us cannibal on tour together, you know, we're a team and we all work as, together as a team. Um, and you've got this direction and, and kind of, I don't know, you, I don't want to say plays that you do, but how you do things. Um, but yeah, bulletin board material doesn't really, uh, come into the <laughs> fold, but, um, man, I mean, you know, I listen to WIP pretty much, you know, during, during, fo- you know, I'm, I'm a football guy, man. I'm an Eagles guy. I don't have a secondary team, you know, although my wife's from Minnesota. So, you know, uh, you know, I'll root for them if it has just for my wife's sake, if it has no bearing on the Eagles, unfortunately, when it came to 2017, the NFC championship game, mm-hmm. well, you know, yeah. we had to do what we had to do. Hey, have you call your but- wife. We own them. <laughs> <laughs> we own the Minnesota well, Vikings. They, you know, as my family in Minnesota would probably uh, relate, they've been dealing with a lot of things in adversity their their whole existence, just like we did up until uh, that wonderful day in 2018. Yeah, they haven't won anything. The Vikings never have have never won have won like jack shit over you. I didn't even realize. They were that bad until until all that stuff came up a couple years ago. You, Eric, are, are exactly. you are you a uh, are you a WIP caller? Have you ever called WIP? No, I've never I've never called WIP. Uh, but I you know I do luck thanks to the Odyssey app. You know I can I can listen to stuff. You know so when I wake up, you can imagine I'm not a morning guy. I, I'm a metal guy. So uh, I have a saying that metal don't start before noon. But I was going to you know, say that would be insane uh, if you're waking up the metal at like eight in the so, morning. Like no need to go punch I mean, somebody in the face at eight in the morning, right? No, no, no. You know I'll wake up earlier than that. But um, you know, like I when when it comes to to like you know football and stuff like that, man, I have a whole regime on on like how I get ready. Um, the yoga meditation, none of that helps during the game. Uh, my blood pressure is probably through the roof. Uh, I can't control it. Um, but you know, I never called the WIP, but I do listen to Joe Giglio and Hugh Douglas. I like the balance that like those guys have, you know, with the player and, and, you know, the, you know, the sportscaster, just like I'll listen to some, uh, you know, Marks and Reese as well. You know, I mean, I just have it in the background, having my coffee. And I like the, it's amazing how Philly sports, I mean, like what you guys do and then all the different publications that are out there in regards to Philly sports is unlike in, in my opinion, anywhere in the in the country or the world and the 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 way that um i can be down here in florida and feel 
so in touch kind of with Philadelphia sports and the fan base and things of that nature. It's pretty incredible. That's one of the good things of technology, but I've never called in. Um, I've thought we got to get you caught. We'll, we'll, we should send, we'll send this clip to them. They'll love, they'll love to hear that they have a, have a listener in the, in the death metal community. They will, they will love that. I mean, how many people have spent their time creating a metalized version of fly Eagles fly after we won the Super Bowl, man. <laughs> I mean, I worked my tail off for that thing. And I told my bass player, JJ Rebovchek, he's a, he, we're both Jersey guys, but Eagles guys. And uh, I told him if we ever win this damn Super Bowl, uh, there you go. Yeah. If we ever win the Super Bowl, I'm going to figure out my own version and I'm going to put it out there and, and, you know, spread the Eagles cheer. And so, uh, I mean, I would love to, when, like I said, Kevin, when you, when you hit me up about coming on this show, I was like, man, you know, man, I was excited about it. Cause oh, I talk yeah. Eagles. I, I talk Eagles all day, all the time. So it's like it's Eagles music, music Eagles, you know, it's, um, but man, we need a bounce back game this week, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Going back to yeah. the, uh, the, the fly Eagles fly the metal version of it. You've already yeah. crossed that off your list. Where does the offensive lineman recording a death metal uh, song or maybe an album? Is that next on the list? Oh, listen, man. If, 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 you know, when I saw the clips of them recording in the studio and I was thinking, man, dude, how do I get my Lada down here with the pipes that he has to track in my studio? I want to produce the next Eagles. You think my death metal Eagles Christmas record, maybe or something? I don't know. But listen, could my Lada do, uh, do death metal you think yeah yeah i think so i think so i could work with him i could work with him man i could i could make it happen i mean he could probably my lot of i mean when we think about like the trajectory of his career man and i love when they introduce him and he says stoutland university well absolutely man he played rugby he never played football (laughs) and now to me he's i mean he's incredible on the line so why not get him in here i'd be like jordan let's make this happen man i mean you're like six six I don't know what he's weighing, but uh, you know, can you imagine him destroying like a death metal scream on on a microphone? I mean, it would be amazing. So, I pose the great. challenge: bring him down. You know, let's do it, man. Or fly me up. I don't care. Uh, we'll, I, we'll, I, we'll, we'll we'll try to hook it up. We had the guy on the show, a uh, Charlie, the drummer from the War on Drugs. He was the guy who produced okay, the, okay. The, uh, the Christmas albums for them. Maybe we'll wow. do a mutual introduction. We'll get Maya Lada down to Mana Recording Studios. Oh, he, he can do that. Yeah, I would, I would love the Eagles. De- not the Eagles of death metal. The Eagles death metal album. Yeah, bring yeah. me in the studio up there. You know, all my all my family's in in Jersey. <laughs> yeah, I'm 35, 40 minutes from the link where my you know my family, some of my family lives. So, uh, yeah, absolutely, man, make it happen. Connect Wait, the dots where, for me, man. I, I knew you were from Jersey, Eric, but I, I looked at all these interviews, but I don't I, – what what part of New Jersey? Like, where specifically in New Jersey? So here's what's interesting. Like, you know, I am I was born in Red Bank, which is, you know, Giants. on the East Coast. Yeah. Exactly. Um, some of my family are Giants fans. Some were Jets fans. You know, you know, I, I'm 52. So, um, you know, some, some of my family n- – none of them were Eagles fans. But when I started watching football, I want to say, man, I was probably like eight or nine. And some of my earliest memories are are probably like the Eagles Raiders Super Bowl. You know, I, I want to say I was like nine mm-hmm. years old when that happened. Um, and, you know, with the Giants, I mean, the Eagles, I just started following them. It wasn't a very popular, you know, where I, I didn't grow up in South Jersey. So growing up there, you know, I was like, 
40 minutes to, to the city, you know, 35 minutes to the Meadowlands. Um, but, you know, being from Jersey, you know, the New York Giants and New York Jets, I always viewed them as like, well, they're, you know, they don't say Jersey Giants or Jersey Jets. So I just leaned towards the Eagles. And I, my mom had some um, friends that were from Philly, friends of the family. Um, and one of them worked at different TV stations and things of that nature. And he brought us to a couple Eagles games when I was, man, really young, probably 10, 11, 12, you know, at the vet. Um, you know, Flyers games, Sixers games. So I just kind of, um, even though I wasn't from Philly or South Jersey, I just adopted um, Philadelphia sports in that way. And a lot of people, you know, gave me crap over the years for sure, especially during the Giants run and Bill Parcells. Yeah. And uh, but man, I'm I'm I've been a devout Eagles fan, you know, pretty much since I've been following football. So uh, it's an unusual story, I think for sure. Um, considering where I'm from, but uh, fly. Well, because nobody man. knows, nobody really knows where the line is. I don't know. There's some like mythical central Jersey that may or may not exist. And some people are Giants fans, some people are Eagles fans, but it's very, you know, it's like very blurry, like you say, you know, you're kind of like equidistant to both of them. You know, most of the Eagles fans, yeah, are like right outside the city, but I don't know. It's yep. all good. Everybody is well, everybody in the vicinity is welcome. You know, I know, I know. Um, Corpse Grinder is a like a Broncos fan, isn't he? Yeah, the other guys. Yeah, he's, yep. yeah, are they football yep. fans too. Yep, and and the line with the Eagles is kind of like pork roll and Taylor ham, man. You know, it's like the same <laughs> thing. Like some people call it pork rolls and Taylor ham. There's a line. To me, I've I've been I've been crossing the lines my whole life, my whole career, so I don't abide by that stuff. But yeah, George is a Broncos fan. Um, he grew up in the Baltimore area, but when he was young, um, the Colts you know, took off, took uh, off. They went yeah. and, and okay. so they had no team. And, and um, I think he had mentioned to me, and I'm not hundred percent sure on these facts, but I think he mentioned that initially the Colts, they were talking about maybe drafting um, John Elway and he ended up going to Broncos and he had no team for years and ended up, you know, becoming a Broncos fan from that. I'm not quoting him, but I'm pretty sure that's true. And so when the Ravens came to Baltimore, you know, he, he follows them, but you know, the Broncos are his number one team. And the other three, yeah, yeah. He's been Broncos from way back. And uh, the other three guys in my band are Bill's fans, you know, they're from Buffalo. So from uh, New York. York. Yeah. 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 Kind of all over the map as, as far as uh, football fans. Hey, Craig, if you've got that image, you can bring it up. I, so it's funny. I, I would I I'm going to go ahead and assume that most of our listeners do are not death metal people. But this is Corp, this is Corpse Grinder. He's the singer for Cannibal Corpse. His first mm-hmm. name is George. And, you know, his name's Corpse Grinder. Yeah, that's uh, him right yes, there with, all the, yep. with all the stuffed animals. Yeah. Right. So he yep. gets up on stage and he's, you know, he's this hulking guy with long hair. But on his Instagram, like in his free time, him and his wife are like, like go around and they collect stuffed stuffed animals and whatnot and they donate them to, to charity and everything i was looking at your your instagram eric and there was a picture of uh he got he got you like a uh like a carson wentz figurine a couple years ago yeah, yeah. I, I, and i zoomed in on it and it was like on clearance like was this when carson started <laughs> to, to stink and he wasn't he wasn't playing well he got you like a knockoff like <laughs> It was like seven forty. Look, the original. Oh yeah, it was knocked down to seven forty-eight. Was that like a gag gift for you? Well, you definitely know that wasn't twenty seventeen. And as the years went by, 2018, 2019, God forbid, you would think that would be probably twenty twenty. But what's surprising is that was twenty nineteen, where there was 
slight hope, but you know, yeah. all the leaks in the locker room. I still, I still had faith, man. I try to keep positive in everything in life. <laughs> and I try to adapt that into Eagles football. Um, but Eagles football makes me absolutely crazy. So I have to throw some things out of the window, but yeah, George, I mean, um, man, he does a lot of great things uh, for charity and stuff of that nature. And um, I feel like for us as musicians, you know, we play death metal um, not only because we grew up listening to metal, all of us obviously grew up uh, listening to metal. And because of my age, I grew up during the beginning of it, you know, with Black Sabbath and on to, you know, Iron Maiden and Judas Priest and Ozzy and then Slayer and then so on Metallica and then death metal. We always wanted to play the heaviest music, but death metal for me, I can speak personally. And, and for a lot of us, it's, it's like therapy. You know, we play this music. It's, it's my life's blood doing this. I've been doing this for 35 years. Um, and it's just a part of who I am. Um, and you know, because of that, getting out all that kind of aggression that we do in our music, it allows us to have a more positive, productive life for me personally. So, you know, um, you know, it's funny, you know, you on stage, well, man, I'm a whole different, you know, it's probably equivalent to like when I'm on stage, I would say. I would feel like Brian Dawkins back in the day, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm just ready to roll and, you know, kick some ass. And, you know, like that's, I, I guess if I had to make an analogy to a, another play, certainly I'm Brian Dawkins is the top dog. I'm not that guy. You're but Jeremiah comes, Trotter. You're, you're the ax man. Oh, big back right now coming out, ready to I'm slam that guitar. And listen, we need some of that energy. How do I get on the sidelines, man? I'll, I'll be, I'll be. Whoa, 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 whoa! We gotta, we gotta, we gotta be careful about the sidelines nowadays. With oh, you're right. I don't want to hex it. Well, that's true. I would probably cross the line, and and you know, I mean, poor Big Dom. He was just, he, he's, he's head of security, man. He was just trying to break it up. They made this thing such a big deal. The worst. Uh, I mean. He wasn't, he, all he was doing was trying to break up the thing after a, like a suplex WWE tackle. And, you know, it, I hope he can come back. Uh, I hope they don't. I, I mean, do you guys need a head of security? Cause you know, he's going to be there for you. If someone tries oh, to rush man. the stage. Listen, I, you know, big Dom up there. I'm not worried about nothing. Dude, I've seen I, those metal shows with Kevin, <laughs> man. Those things get out of control. Oh I yeah. Got- they do get, they do get crazy. A lot of, um, they're, they're, especially back in the day, some melees, you know, with, Full on, you know, I had some. Oh, what you got? Oh, there we go. Is that a 2002? Whoa, yeah, yeah, it's it's sleeveless. I was gonna wear it, but it's sleeveless and it's like 10 degrees out here, you know. And it is 10, and I'll be up there to visit my family for the holidays, so I'm preparing for it as it's like 65 down here, but you know, I mean. uh, I'm going to prepare for the cold up there, but uh, see death metal guys. See Kyle, death metal guys go see their family during the holidays. They collect stuffed animals yeah. and they donate them to charity. We're just regular people like everybody else, you know. Which is funny, Eric. Because, yeah, you know, it's, it's sort but, of, it was sort of, yeah, m- sort mostly. Of, we're like the Adams family, maybe. You know, we, you know, we kind of, we can evolve, we can interact in society to some degree. But when it comes to football, man, I mean. Listen, football, like music is the link that connects people together. Well, a football does the same, you know, it's like, perfect example, when we won the, when we won the Super Bowl, well, what do you think I did the next day, man? I hopped on a plane. I flew to mom's uh, the next day, my bass player, JJ from Haiti Eternal, um, you know, his wife got us tickets to take the, tr- you know, transit, you know, go to 
to Philly and we waited for like five hours in 18 degree weather. And, you know, I got thin blood these days. I've been living in Florida, but that's what it takes. Who the freaking cares what it takes, right? Waited five hours, got on the train, walked to the museum and um, embraced, of course, the Super Bowl parade, which I told myself <laughs> once again, bucket list, baby, knock it off. It. I'm going to be at the bucket Super Bowl parade. Whatever happens, I, I don't care it. if I'm in Australia, I'll get the red eye back. I got to be there. I was there and I never <laughs> seen people so full of joy and happy. Hey, where are you from? I'm like, oh, I'm from Jersey, but I live in Florida now. And they're like, oh, yeah, I live in Virginia, but I'm, you know, I'm from Delco or, you know, it was a whole different vibe I've never experienced. And, and I absolutely loved it, man. One of the I got some photos and videos and, and a memory I'll never forget. I'm sure you guys can attest. To oh, it was the best. It was one of the greatest days of my life. Oh, one of the greatest oh, days of my life. And if you can't if you're not listening on the stream, you should see the smile on Eric's face as he's talking oh, recounting <laughs> it right now. Yeah, I uh, I, can, so I, I can tell you you this yeah you you're um yeah you weren't joking when you said you were interested in talking about the Eagles man I can I can see it on your face oh you know? man I don't get these opportunities man I mean <laughs> listen listen anybody comes up and they're like man you want to talk Eagles I'm like of course I do you know like I you know I can't even like I haven't been you know I was thinking about this. I haven't been sleeping well the last couple of nights. And I'm, I'm like, what the hell is the problem? And I, it, it's easy. Of course I can't sleep. We had our butt kicks for two weeks in a row by the 49ers who talked all the smack off season. And then they came in here and, and, and just whooped us. And then we went to Dallas and we had opportunity there. But um, uncharacteristically, I felt like they're, you know, with the turnovers and, and stuff, with don't get it turned around, man. Don't worry, don't worry about it. We are we are a I'm very not, yeah. Pra- yeah, we're a very pragmatic show. We don't do the sky is falling kind of thing. I you know, we're we're we've got a you know very positive mindset on it's not team. man. Yeah, we got, got I got yeah. faith, man. It's, yeah. it's you know, we get on to the next game, man. We're 10 and 3. Are you mm-hmm. kidding me? You know, when they showed the the gauntlet, right, of games that were coming up, yeah. and I was thinking, okay. You know, the six-game stretch basically start with Dallas, the bye week, and then all these. I thought, man, if we go four and two, I'll be pretty stoked. So, you know, we get this win against Seattle. I mean, um, and the way that the playoff scenarios are are turning out, of course you want home field advantage. You want the first week bye, and now with the playoff rules, you only got one team. But, um, you know, being the second seed, fifth seed, you know, we're probably going against one of the NFC South teams, but, I don't take it for granted. Just like I don't feel the the sky is falling, but also <laughs> you have to be realistic about this stuff, right? You know, so one game at a time. I'm not taking it for granted that, like, you know, uh, Tommy Cutlets, man. I mean, he's he's firing on all cylinders up there. Are you a Tommy Cutlets guy? Listen, I'm an Eagles guy, so Tommy oh, Cutlets, Tommy, you know. But I gotta say, as a Jersey guy, right, the fact that Tommy DeVito, a North Jersey guy, is playing for the Giants. It's it's pretty incredible. And I have to say, I'm an Eagles guy. I'm not a Giants guy, but it is pretty amazing, the story. Uh, growing up in Jersey. I, I I, of course, I can't even help it being a Jersey guy and seeing you this probably, guy You playing. probably grew up with his dad down the street or something like that. I didn't even know. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you know, I, I went to the middle. I've never been to, um, you know, I've been to the Meadowlands before, but I've never uh, been Met to life, I not missing much. I, I, I have no interest in going there. And, and you know what? I've had to reassess me going to away games. And I'll tell you why. I've been to a couple away games in my, in my life. 
went to Miami like 15 years ago on a Monday night game and we blew them out and it was fantastic. The Eagles took over the stadium. Um, but I went to the Bucks Eagles playoff game two years ago with my wife. Um, I said, they're playing in Tampa. It's a Brady, you know, that was what a surprise. I think we went nine, eight. So I was, I was like, holy crap. First year coach, first year starter. We made the playoffs. Awesome. They're playing in Tampa. I got to go. And I, I bought tickets for my wife and I to go. Um, and then proceeded to probably not say anything for about two hours because of the rage factor, you know, yes. the reds turning, yep. you know, there's one to 10 I'm on a thousand 11 infinity of rage. And I got some guy behind me and he's, he's singing by Eagles by, and mm-hmm. I'm sitting there, my wife, who we've been together almost 18 years. So she knows me as well as anybody. She's like, honey, just keep it chill. And I was yeah. like, I was, I was furious um i was at that game too you were really i was at the game it was very it was very windy before if i remember it so i was was like okay this plays plays into the eagles very nicely tom brady's not gonna be able to move the ball jalen hurts we can just run the ball all that stuff run the ball that was one of the most miserable three hours of my entire lifetime like there was i mean we we usually show out pretty well eagles fans and everything it was so many Bucks fans, and we so I just felt like I was on an island for three hours just getting heckled, people singing. Every time they, they converted a first down, they would do that oh. stupid – they did something stupid on the on the Jumbotron that I couldn't oh. stand. Oh, man. Yeah, I was so the, out uh, on Jalen Hurts after that game. I was so out on Jalen Hurts. Man, that was a rough – that was just a rough game entirely, and I remember leaving there. And luckily there was a couple of Eagles fans that – uh kind of put the guy behind me in his place that were a few few loyal eagles fans probably came down from philly which i appreciated which i won't go into um but uh much appreciation for those guys for keeping it real there but uh i mean the i realized after that i was like man who going to these away uh playoff games they're tough um i just didn't realize like tampa i mean i've lived here for like 30 years now um People always yeah. ask me all the time, how come you're not a Bucks fan? I was like, dude, I'm an Eagles fan. Once an no. Eagles fan, always an Eagles fan. Not if I move to yeah. if I go to Bali, if I move to anywhere, <laughs> you know what I mean? You put me in, in England, Australia, I'm an Eagles fan, man. You you know, oh, I cut myself. Wow. Well, I'm bleeding green. You know, like I'm not, I'm not a Bucks fan. I don't have a second team or oh, congrats. No, I don't give a crap. I want the Eagles to win. You know, I Man, that's all. That's what else it. is there? I got. A, I got I mean, one more. Um, you got it. The brotherly shove, effective mosh pit technique or no? <laughs> Man, that would be awesome. I'm not sure we could keep it to, you know, I don't know if we could keep it to the to the personnel though. You know, we might have to like go like you know 58 personnel or something on the line, make this massive line. <laughs> I assume, though, if let, let's say we just do, you know, five up front or maybe we bring in another, uh, you know, tackle and some tight ends or something. You know, I mean, it would be impressive. I, I got to say, well, in Campbell Corps, uh, I don't have the mic. Kevin, as you know, and Haiti Eternal, I do have the mic. You do. Yeah. I, I've brought up the Fly Goes Fly song. I think back in at, at, at the Voltage Room in Philly. I had the crowd <laughs> singing it, you know, so I'll I'll do that. You know, in Campbell Corps, I don't have the mic, but uh but George, fortunately for me, um, he's AFC guy. I'm NFC guy. So, you know, <laughs> he supports my team. He'll throw some nice little wingers out there, zingers out there, you know, in Philly or maybe 
Dallas, uh, which of course I appreciate. Um, that's the good thing about the band is, uh, you know, I don't, you know, I'm not in a band with anybody in the NFC. So <laughs> let alone, you know, that, that no, you're that just helps. in a marriage with somebody from the NFC. Yeah. That, true. True. But my, uh, my wife knows how insane <laughs> I am about the Eagles. So I, I, she supports the Eagles winning, knowing that if they lose that, uh, yeah, I'm in a, I'm in a funk for a while. It takes me a couple of days. You're catching me out of my funk on this Thursday. If you caught me two days ago, oh man, <laughs> I was in a funk, but I'm, I'm feeling it, man. I'm feeling it this week. It's been, I just saw this, this stat. I couldn't believe it, but I was like, when I can remember a bunch of games, I went to actually, we we're playing Philly in 2019. That's the year that I got the Carson Wentz uh, thing that from George <laughs> yeah. against Seattle. I remember it was that year and we had played in Philly. Oh, the concussion um, game where Wentz left, exited the playoffs. It, it, yeah. No, not the playoffs. It was it was the regular season game. Oh, we had oh, five no. turnovers, mm-hmm. five interceptions. It was rainy. Yeah. And I went to the game before we actually played that night, I think, at TLA. Um, and so I remember, I was like, man, that was terrible. And then every – and I started thinking about it. I was like, man, I can't even remember the last game we beat Seattle. And then I looked it up, 15 years. But you know what? Records are meant to be broken, man. Things are meant That's to right. change. You right. See where see where I'm going? Fuck yeah! That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm feeling this week, man. Seattle's a tough place. I know it's loud, but Jalen Hurts, man. You know what? I love, I love Jalen. I'm a Jalen Hurts supporter. I love. Um, I kind of love. I feel like I like Jalen Hurts. I mean, I look to up to him and how he handles scenarios and situations. Uh, and I definitely have faith in the guy. I have faith in the offense. We got too many people. I mean, we need to do it better, in my opinion. What do I know? I'll just be a, that guy. But, you know, we we need to be better at running the ball. Maybe, you know. Um, got to run that ball. Know, Roll that block. swift in the screen game. And, yeah. you know, get some more of those uh, quick slants and some curl routes and stuff. You know, instead of the long bombs, you know, where uh, Hertz is holding on to the ball you know really long and i i feel like we're better than this and you know the defense um you know we're playing so off the ball out of zone and stuff so i'm i'm i am concerned about the defense uh but i feel like got a lot of moving parts uh hopefully reed blankenship is not in concussion protocol i don't know if we've gotten word on that yet um, no, we'll see. But, they, they think he's, he's he's gonna play well by the time yeah we'll we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. see what happens yeah but listen man I, 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 I love you i love the attitude i love the mindset this is the positivity Thanks, that's the positivity that we need and i'm losing it today man <laughs> go birds yeah. fly goes go, fly, man. go birds go birds you are more than when you're when you're um your career, uh, when your guitar playing career, music career is over, you can, you can, we'll give you a space on the website. You can write about the Eagles whenever you want to write. Oh about them. man, I'm coming. I listen, I got to write, uh, the editor's notes for decibel yeah. magazine because yeah. Albert knows, you know, we're he's an Eagles fan. I'm a huge Eagles fan. And yeah. he allowed me to do that. And I wrote it on the plane up to, to Jersey to go to Philly for the parade. Um, so Man, I I would I would appreciate that. I would listen that, if you man. ever want to if you ever want to put your sports journalist hat back on. Uh, what, you're more than welcome to write whatever for us. All um, right, man. What, what do you want to What do you want to tell the people before we wrap it up? Though, are you are you guys going on tour anytime soon, or what's what's going on? Well, so our next tour is not till April, but we're touring uh, with a Monomarth, 
uh, Cannibal Corpse, Obituary, and Frozen Soul in the States. It's going to be a, a great tour. We're playing, really? some, we're playing really? Philly on awesome that tour. Playing, playing Jersey, uh, you know. I'll get Pagan I'll down. I'll bring Pagan to his first death metal show. I'll be in the oh, back. Man. I'll be in the back. Listen, listen, man, you send me an email. You tell me who to get in. I'll get everybody. Anybody that wants to get in to see this stuff. As long as they come in Eagles attire, they're more than welcome. Uh, I'll put them on the list. Anything else? Well, uh, maybe that email goes to spam, you know, but uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I think we're playing Red Rocks on this tour, which is incredible. Oh, yeah. Think, Colorado, um, man. Yeah. The big thing. Yeah. I played First Union Center, Wachovia Center, uh, you know, back when it was that. And, you know, I've played some pretty cool places, but this ought to be an awesome tour. Philly, there we go. What, what thing is that? Yeah. Yes. May 13th at the Fillmore oh, in uh, Philadelphia. Yeah, Eric's going to be there with Cannibal Corpse. Um, Eric, thanks for coming on, man. This is awesome. You, we'll get you back on. Um, I love the enthusiasm and the, uh, and the positivity and the pragmatism. Uh, those are things that we value, of course. And like I said, man, if you're itchy to uh, write about the birds, you got a platform here. And hey. if, we win, if we win the Super Bowl, we'll look for you downtown, too. Listen, if we, if we win the Super Bowl, I might have to come on there. I might just have to fly up if you'll make some space for me for just five minutes. But uh, I'll, I'll go crazy again. But I always said if I could just win one Super Bowl in my life, uh, I, I would go over the moon. Well, I got one. So now, of course, uh, you know, human says, be greedy. I want another one. Let's do it. Yeah. But uh, we yeah. listen, we got concerns, but I, I feel I'm feeling good, man. On to next week, <laughs> Seattle. Here we come. We're going to be better prepared. And uh, man, I I'm not gonna not gonna go anything past that except for we we can do this, man. We can do it. And thank you for having me on to talk Eagles football. My pleasure, man. We'll get you on. We'll get you on another time for sure. No, we appreciate Much it. Much appreciated, man. You, cool. you guys take care. Go birds. Go birds. Go birds. Awesome. We got there we go. For coming on, we appreciate that. Great interview. A lot of heavy metal, a lot of death metal. Um, little update while we were we were on there. Schefter on Pat McAfee's show, I think he, Jalen Hurts, is going to try to play. I'm not sure if he is going to. Ian Rappaport, on the other hand, Jalen Hurts, if he would have had to go yesterday, he couldn't have done it, couldn't have gotten out of bed. It's a flu-like symptoms. It's not a cold, but Rappaport reported that he thinks Jalen will play tonight. So... All right. Well, I guess we'll have to uh, find out. I don't know. Would you rather have an under the weather Hertz or a Marcus Mariota? We all know. What I would David rather Carl have is. a legless Hertz than a Marcus Mariota. You're not. I think, a I, well, we'd have to wonder how the brotherly shove would be run without his legs. So I guess maybe maybe one legged. I'd rather have a one legged Jalen Hertz than Marcus Mariota under center. Well, this but is what the uh, the NFL deserves us for flexing this game and all the shit that they're doing with oh, Big yeah. Dom and that tobacco. They deserve a Drew Lock versus Marcus Mariota game on Monday Night Football, and it would actually nothing would please me more than Roger Goodell having to hear that Marcus Mariota is going up against Drew Lock. I like how Ford, by the way, says that we just steal show topics from him in the chat. Like we have, we haven't thought of this. We didn't think to like do the Jalen Hurts update. We got that from Ford. <laughs> he's a he's a three trick pony. That guy. Um, <laughs> Oh man, did you uh, did you see the Richard Mendenhall tweet? Yeah, I love it. Oh, it's it's my wonderful. Favorite, my favorite tweet of the year. So. Anyone that didn't see it, Richard Mendenhall, I'm sick of average white guys commenting on football. I think that's a direct shot at us. Uh, you're all not even good at football. Again, 
probably a direct shot at us. Can we please replace the Pro Bowl with an all-black versus all-white bowl so these cats can stop trying to teach me who's good at football? I'm better than your goat. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting dynamic. Um, I, I think. I think Netflix just found its new uh, its new show that they've been doing. They've been doing the uh, F one with the with the golf uh, with the PGA Pro tours uh, in Vegas. They're doing one where it's like uh, two tennis players, like Nadal's involved in it. He's uh, they're doing a live show. I think uh, Netflix just found their new one: all whites versus all blacks. Let's just make let's just totally divide America even more than we can. Um, but during that interview, I mean, I had so I wrote down like I almost have a full starting lineup um i had to get creative at de- defensive back because as we know mm. not many white players are no. playing uh defensive back <laughs> nowadays not many white players are playing safety no. nowadays um i wish richard mr mendenhall would have uh explained are we doing former players or are we doing just current players because current players there might be a disadvantage and i don't think that's that's well, fair. i don't think that i think the white team would have to just put like three safeties in well, there. Reed, reed blankenship would be on this would, would definitely so be on the team. my back four would be reed blankenship hunter renfro braxton barrios and gunner olszewski <laughs> i just need guys who are just special teamers who are just going to go out there and just knock oh, each other's man. block off five yeah. foot ten you know small Small receivers turned uh, like uh, who was that guy from uh, from the Patriots? He played DB in a playoff game against the Ravens and they won. Um, not Wes Welker, the other white guy, Julie, uh, Julian Edelman. Oh, yeah. He, played, uh, yeah. he, he ran a couple uh, series at uh, T says at, we're uh, going to bring back Chris Maragos here and have him play. He's like, yeah. The, um, there's, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. It's kind of like the skill positions is where we kind of, uh, we being whitey where we kind of lack you know uh, i'll tell you I, what our defensive line would be awesome we would just have all guys gunning for the ball max crosby the bosa brothers and jj watt jj no yeah. tackles that would be pretty good the linebacker the white linebackers would be amazing there's just so many meathead white linebackers who came through like there's you could just take uh is alex singleton is he on your starting lineup or is he a backup he's on your 53 uh, i didn't get there yet i'm thinking of who of of the uh bill romanoski i mean d- d- uh dick butkus mark simino mark mark simino. omar what's omar gaither doing oh he's black no. <laughs> <laughs> i was going off a tandem he's on the black delegation <laughs> uh the i mean the white offense would be pretty good the tom brady right i got justin herbert but i i went i went um Oh, you obviously okay. So I was putting together an all-time whitey team. You were just doing it this year, whitey team. Well, Christian McCaffrey, who gets MVP who gets might be <laughs> I don't know. Do we have to do a twenty-three in me to see who gets Pat Mahomes before this Pro Bowl. I could ask the same thing of Ben Simmons if uh, Richard yeah. Mendenhall played basketball. You know, you could. You could. Um, it's an interesting thing. I I like it. It's a nice little <laughs> Monday morning topic that we needed from. Uh, from Rashard Mendenhall, <laughs> defensive tackle, not bad. There's Him some going good... up Slay would be an all-time matchup. You know what the problem is, is that you get into like uh, you do the all-time stuff, and I was just looking at some of these lists. I'm googling like best white wide receivers of mm-hmm. all time or whatever. You get into like you're like Steve Largent yeah. and uh, Fred, Fred Blitnikoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Billy White oh. Shoes Johnson, who I don't know if he was white or black, but he had white shoes. Well, the. Uh... Yeah, it's just it's the corners, man. I think Whitey would just get cooked through the air, you know. Yeah, yeah. We do have, like, we do have uh, they're not a Super Bowl caliber <laughs> defensive back ten. We, 
If this was 1972, I mean, we would be pretty good. We'd have like Larry Zonka, you know, could play fullback. Yeah. Um, can you imagine Larry Zonka blocking for Christian McCaffrey or Mike Allstott? Mike Allstott. You know, yeah, there's a little bit of a disagreement in the chat whether Pat Mahomes is a white man or a black man. So <laughs> oh, that's good. That's, good. <laughs> that's what I want our chat to, to, to turn into. Yeah, um, it's a good exercise. I'm going to do it for the site. Um, we'll do the we'll do the list. We'll compare. Uh, can't wait for those comments. We'll compare. Should I do all time or this? I guess this year would be easier. But I don't know if you could come up with. I don't think you could. I mean, my coach would be Sirianni. My OC would be Joe Brady, and my DC would be Belichick. <laughs> you doing, you're doing coaches too. You're doing a coaching. I, I did it all. I did wide receivers: Cooper Cup, Adam Thielen, Justin Watson. Justin Watson got in over Hunter Renfro, so we had to move Hunter to uh, to DB. Okay. Um, so. Well, send me that list. We'll we'll do your list and my list. Maybe you All do. Right. And then Travis Kelsey. No one's covering Travis Kelsey, white or black. So that's probably our. That's actually probably our um, our X factor right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it all the line too, man. Our offensive line would be amazing. The offensive line would be amazing. I don't think we'd do much against the all black defense, though. I mean, you get like think of all the. We could nobody would complete a pass, right? I mean, <laughs> no, we'd put Josh Allen under center. And you have 172 rushing yards and 18 <laughs> receiving yards because Cooper Cup hurt his ankle and or hamstring in the first quarter, and we had to put in someone like Scotty Miller. Or, yeah, uh, T is saying that they run two white tight ends. Yeah, we run like a wish, run the wishbone or something. We run a 13 personnel. We run a 12 personnel. Oh my! I don't God. even put any receivers out there because if Steve Largent goes down, we got to get Chris Collinsworth. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you right now, Grant Calcaterra is on my team. All right. I need the blocking. I need the good white blocking tight end that when teams see him in the game, they're like, well, they're not throwing the ball on this play. So <laughs> it's a good exercise. I don't know if Richard Mendenhall is racist or if he has CTE or or neither one of those things or both those things, but it's a great exercise. Perfect for crossing broad. I, I, he's he's perfect. He's the same guy who got mad at us for cheering Osama bin Laden's death after it happened. I mean, Richard Mendenhall is the gift that keeps on giving. Didn't he fumble uh, away a Super Bowl too? He did. He fumbled away uh, the Super Bowl uh, yeah. against the Packers. Um, so, yeah. Also, well, I think he might have won, won one too, though. So I guess that kind of evens out. I think he. I think he was on that team to beat the Cardinals. Um, two thousand six or something like that, yeah. or maybe. I just he, don't agree with. I'm better than your goat. I just, I Rashad, I just do not think you're you're you've put down you've put together a body of work better than like Christian McCaffrey. No, sorry. Nope. Could be MVP no. Christian McCaffrey. But Ed McCaffrey was pretty good too. Mm-hmm. Ed McCaffrey was a good receiver. Kevin Curtis. Oh Cooper Cup. Well, we had to we have to put we have to dress Kevin Curtis in the yellow and blue Frankfurt yellow jacket <laughs> uniform. <laughs> yeah. and if it, unless that's that's the only way he's allowed to play in this game. Yeah. I, I did want I do wonder going back if we did the all history team, who your black quarterback would be. Would it be Warren Moon? I was thinking of Warren Moon too, right off the top of that. I mean Dougie mm-hmm. Williams, uh, Russell Wilson, Donovan McNabb. Um, <laughs> well, it'll put. I know we're only picking one person, but it might put to rest the Nick. white quarterback, black quarterback thing. You know, I mean, there's a lot of great. There's so many. Yeah, it's 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 Mar. Yeah, man. I, uh, six games. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I, well, and you know, the, we got Britain. Britain Covey would have a space on that punt returner too. Right? Britain Covey. People yeah. told me he was the greatest punt returner of all time, and then the Eagles waved him, and he cleared all the. That's way true. Up. All blacks could not. They would have to play like Madden. They would have to go for four downs. They would have no kicker. 
<laughs> Marquette King ain't walking through that door. <laughs> That's right. I, I'm I am struggling to think of a black uh, kicker. We win. We win. They're going. They're going all mad in four downs. There are there have been black uh, punters. Reggie Roby was a black punter. I remember Marquette him. King. I think Reggie. I think Reggie Roby punted the ball for negative one yard one time. Somebody in the chat looked that up on YouTube. I think he hit well, it. Would you just make Randall Cunningham? Is Randall Cunningham your punter? A quick kick, or just do a quick kick? Ninety-yard pooch punt. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow, I think we, I think we have something there. I, I, Netflix, get on board with this. This is awesome. A good story. Yeah, thank you to Richard Mendenhall for that topic. I appreciate yeah, it. I checks appreciate it. Checks in the mail. All right. Hey, thank you to uh, thank you to Ann for coming on. Thank you to Eric Rutan for coming on. Thank you to you, Kev. Thank you to Craig behind the scenes. We will talk to you on Wednesday after Jalen Hurts' flu game. And we've got the MVP in our sights back on track. Talk to you.